Hello, Gems. Welcome to another episode of Tiaras in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Megan Mueller Jensen about making your clients feel smart. She is a Psychor Strategy MVP and a Senior Solution Architect. We talked about her non-traditional entrance into tech and the importance of treating both your clients and your coworkers with respect. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show. I am so, so glad that you're here. Hi, Shelly. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, this has been a long time coming, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm surprised that I, I haven't had you on earlier because you're awesome. But Oh, thank you. Know. you. Thank you. <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah. It is. It <laughs> Better is. late than never. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just, you know, jump right in and start off by having you tell us how did you, how did you get here? How did did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, first of all, it's kind of funny for me to be on a a women in technology, Tiara's and tech um, podcast, because I don't consider myself a women, woman in technology. Don't tell my boss that, but I'm a marketer. I'm a strategist. I just need to know about the technology that makes it all happen and help it make sense for our clients and their customers. So um, I always feel like a little bit of an imposter, a little bit of a fish out of water among, you know, the technology people, but um, I'll just, uh, I'll try and blend in as as well as I can. But how did I get here? Um, My career and education has taken a bit of a circuitous route to get here, like a lot of people in marketing and technology, um, very few of us had a straight path to get to where we are. And um, I actually come from a family of doctors. A lot of my cousins and um, I have an uncle who's in medicine. And so I started out um, in college as a pre-med major, thinking that was gonna be my path. And then I realized I don't like college enough to do this for 10 or 12 or 14 years. It's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. and. I I tell people I'm a third generation hippie and my parents told me just study what you love and don't worry about getting a job. So I ended up as an English and women's studies double major with an art history minor. So that's about as liberal, a liberal education (laughs) as you can find. Yeah. And, um, you know, in my early twenties, uh, you know, I got married, we had children and, um, I kind of stumbled into the marketing world. I worked in nonprofits, healthcare, a couple of hospices, that sort of thing. And about five years ago, I got my first agency job with a small agency called Sundog out of Fargo, North Dakota. Um, my Midwestern accent comes out when I start talking about Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I'm a tried and true Minnesota girl. Um, <laughs> But uh, it was my first agency job, and I was actually hired to be a writer. And um, when I was hired, my boss told me, you know, this is what we're hiring you as. It's probably not. Gonna, it's probably going to evolve really fast. And um, my the guy who hired me, this brilliant, brilliant man named Dave Jones, who took a great big chance on me. I remember a few weeks into the job, I asked him, um, you know, what's one thing I need to get good at? What's the most important thing to be really good at in this job? And he said, the most important thing you can do is make our clients feel smart. Mm-hmm. And I've really taken that to heart. And so I went from being a writer to kind of being the SEO person because it was a small company and nobody really knew a lot about SEO. So I raised my hand. I said, okay, I'll be our SEO person. And then a few months later, we got a Sitecore project and we had some really good accomplished developers, but nobody on the strategy side. So like the tenacious little hippie I am, I raised my hand and I said, sure, I'll learn Sitecore. And I had no idea what I was getting in for. I had never designed a website before. I, I, I knew nothing. And um, I remember one evening, one of our developers, Chris Kulish, one of the smartest guys I've ever met, he was going to be the lead developer on this project. And he and I went out for Thai food one night. And he, between bites of Pad Thai, told me everything he knew about Sitecore. And somewhere in my house, I still have the napkins where I was writing down as fast as I can page type and component and data source and item and what are all these things. And of course, it's, you know, it comes so 
second nature to him. He just, you know, spit it all out over supper. And I was so excited and I was so ready to learn everything, but I was so overwhelmed and so intimidated because it was like he was speaking a language I had never heard before. Not even like I can figure out some Spanish or I can kind of, you know, understand French. It was entirely foreign to me. And for the first time in a long time, I felt dumb, not because he made me feel dumb, but because I had always thought of myself as an intelligent, um, well-educated person who can figure stuff out. And this was like the first thing that I couldn't wing it, you know, and I really had to do my homework to learn what these things are, to keep up with the folks on the project who had done it a long time. And over the course of one project, Man Alive, it was it was boot camp. Um, I learned everything I needed to know, thanks very much to the generosity of the people on my team um, who taught me what I needed to know, pointed me in the right direction. And it was kind of through that project, I understood what my boss, Dave, meant about making your clients feel smart, because I don't ever want my clients to feel as much a fish out of water as I did that first time that I was trying to learn everything. So. I've really made it one of the top priorities with all of my clients, all of my projects to um, to make them feel smart, you know, and not overwhelm them, especially when they're getting their first um, Sitecore project. There's there's a lot of uh, initialism, initialisms and Sitecoreisms yeah. and um, things like that to learn. So I really made that a priority is to um, make training and workshops and documentation and teaching teaching with grace, teaching respectfully, um, a big priority with, with all of my projects. So five years later, I'm a senior solution architect. I'm working on some of the biggest websites for some of the biggest companies in the world. I just got my Sitecore strategy MVP. Um, none of that wouldn't, would have happened without um, so many people that I've worked with who have been so generous with their time and expertise. And I think that's one of the greatest things about the Sitecore community is it doesn't matter where you work. There are people out there willing to hold your hand and cheer you on and be in your corner and help you figure stuff out um, with very little competition to it. You know, it, every, everybody just wants everybody to be better at this. And so, um, yeah, I, I owe a lot to the people who held my hand and pulled me up along with them. I think that's amazing. Absolutely. Um, first of all, can I have your parents? I mean, I love my yeah, parents. They're, they're the best. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, they sound great. They yeah, sound yeah. like a yeah. lot like me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, I I love the idea of making your clients feel smart because I've been in so many meetings and so many situations where, you know, people sort of talk down to the client about technical stuff and yeah. that's not okay. <laughs> you know, and even when it's not intentional, I think, yes, um, exactly. you know, it's, it's maybe a little bit more common on the developer side, yeah. but you start throwing out um, concepts and terms and, you know, you talk, start talking about XM versus XP and CDP and da, 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 da. And you don't even realize you're doing it and you don't realize you're kind of getting a blank stare on the other side of the conference room table. And so my, my role usually is kind of being the translator between our development team and the client, you know, yeah. but doing it in a very respectful way. And um, I'm sure you've heard the term explain it like I'm five on Reddit, you know, <laughs> yeah. like make it really, really simple. I ask them to explain it like I'm five, but I never take that approach with my clients. They are mm -hmm. professionals, right. they're adults, they're educated. And I think about my mom, um, she is the most brilliant gentle, generous, Betty Crocker grandma of a woman. She was a sergeant in a jail for 35 years. Hell yeah. She, yeah. So, you know, I try to explain to her about my job and she, you know, she can, she can cite laws by statute number in the year that they were enacted and, and things like that. So she is brilliant. Her language is different. Her universe is different. So when I'm explaining my job and when I'm explaining things to my clients, I try to explain it to them as if they're my mom, brilliant, educated, smart, they're learning a new language. So I've kind of learned over the years, different ways to um, 
enable and empower them to kind of learn ahead of the curve a little bit. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes that I've learned from. I've learned from other people's mistakes. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that we as professionals can do to preemptively kind of train our clients, give them some tips and things before they need to know it. Um, and it just makes every project go, go better. Absolutely. I think that the job of a lead developer is to be that translator between the tech and the actual client. And that mm-hmm. is a skill that most lead developers lack because mm-hmm. people are generally like extremely technical, right? Mm-hmm. But they need to learn soft skills because lead developer literally has the word lead in it. That is a soft yep. skill. Mm-hmm. So, it is. It yeah. is. And you know, the, the, the projects that I've worked on that go the best, there's typically a lead developer and a lead strategist. Mm-hmm. And to have those totally. people kind of walking in each shoe going in the same direction. And you know, strategy is the why and development is the how, you know. And to have those two kind of halves of the brain represented all the way through projects really works beautifully. And, you know, some of the things that I have learned over the years that I try to implement on every project is um, give a glossary, give definitions ahead of time. You know, if you're having a kickoff meeting with a client and maybe this is their first Sitecore project, maybe they're migrating from a different platform, give them definitions ahead of time, give them cheat sheets, tell them these are some of the things we're going to be talking about. Spend five minutes just looking this over ahead of time, maybe print it out keep it next to you throughout the whole project, because these are kind of the concepts that we're going to be coming back to. And if they have time, if they're like me, I would rather have a little time to do homework ahead of time and be a little bit more prepared for that meeting. So that's one of the things I try to do. And, you know, you just put together a deck or a word um, document with kind of the glossary of all the stuff you're going to be talking about, add and remove things as they're applicable to the project. You know, don't overwhelm them. Don't give them a glossary of every single Sitecore term yeah. in the world. Narrow it down to the stuff you're going to be talking about, you know, in the next two weeks. And then you can add to it. You can keep one document, keep adding to it and give it to them whole at the end of the project. That also makes it easier for them if they have someone new join three months after the site launches. You know, they have something to onboard them, you know, some documentation, some things to help them kind of get up to speed. Um, I'm a really big fan of putting things in writing. Yes. When we have meetings with a client, um, iteration reviews, things like that, um, we usually have a project manager that keeps notes, but also make sure that someone is um, keeping an ear out for questions that the client has that get answered. Um, because when you are in a meeting and they you know, ask you to clarify something and, and whoever it is explains it, don't make them rely on their own memory. Remember that question, put it in an email to follow up, put it in some documentation, give it to them in writing as well. Because in the course of a conversation, you talk about a million things, they may not remember the details of the explanation that you gave them. So make it just a little bit easier on them um, and do your due diligence and give them some follow up. Um, Like I said, either in a, a recap email or some documentation. This is what we talked about. Here's why I explained it. Maybe here's some more links if you want to learn more. And then you have, you know, kind of a paper trail that you answered these questions, but also a nice reference for them. So that in two weeks, when they think, oh, what did they say about such and such? They don't have to ask you again. They can just go look. Yeah. You just blew my mind with all of that. That (laughs) level of organization and communication, like, you know, I, I teach this stuff, but I never thought about providing clients like a Mm -hmm. cheat sheet of terms and um, ideas, you know, yeah, concepts. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I guess, I don't know. I, I assume people learn like me, like I need to read things. I need to write them down. You can tell me something five times, but if it's something that like, I don't implement soon, it's going to fall right out of my brain. Mm-hmm. So I may need to be reminded. And that brings up another thing. If you have a coworker or client or anyone who asks to be reminded or, um, you know, you explained something a couple of days ago and you need a reminder, like, don't make that person feel bad for asking again. 
you know, I've worked with people who are like, well, Megan, I told you that three days ago and da, 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 and man, it just makes you feel small Yes, and it's unnecessary because all it does is cover your butt that you already told them once. They know you told them once. Yeah. Don't make a big deal out of it, you know? Um, and if you didn't give them documentation, it's kind of your own fault that they forgot. Exactly. So, um, you know, just be gracious. If people need reminders, if people forget details, whether you work with them or work for them, um, just be nice about that. You know, yeah. um, another thing that I have noticed in conversations is, you know, there's some kind of communication skills that not all of us have or were taught or studied. Um, one of the other things that will sometimes come across as condescending is using people's names. So if you were a kid and, you know, my mom was like, Megan Bree, you didn't do da, 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 or, you know, um, it can come across as more confrontational than intended. Yeah. So, so Shelly, if you ask me, you know, um, that thing that we talked about the other day, can you remind me where we put that file? Well, Shelly, I told you yesterday. <laughs> Oh my gosh, unnecessary totally. in every single way. You can say, oh, it's in the Teams folder, blah, 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 blah. Let me send you the link. Exactly. Like there, and, and I don't think people are intentional about that, but it's just one of those things that um, I, people put their, their, their hackles up, you know, when, when they feel like they're being talked down to or scolded in any way. So whether that's a coworker or a client or anything, just be, just be cool about it, man. You know, we all have a lot of stuff in our brains. COVID has um, wreaked havoc on our short-term yeah. memory. Oh my God, so yes. It's like, give everybody a break when you can't remember every single thing. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. And I, I had a thought about something, but it just flew out of my head because I've been COVID stressed did out that for too. the past yeah. two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the other thing I like to do is when I do workshops or trainings, things like that. Now, a lot of us will record them, giving, give them the recording, give them the deck, give them your notes, give them every single, you know, if there's an outline, because if you just did a two hour um, workshop and there is a detail at 45 minutes and two days later, they're like, oh, what did they say about blah, blah, blah. Now they have to go through two hours worth of video to find that one little thing that you talked about. They may not even remember if it was at the beginning or the end of the workshop. So if you can give them as much documentation as you can about the thing you just talked about, almost to the point of a transcript, um, they will appreciate it because it saves them a lot of time um, and it saves them having to bug you. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, it, if they have the information and you make it really easy to find, all the better. All the better. I actually have a tip on that. Ooh. Transcripts you can obtain if you upload to YouTube like privately, right? Oh, interesting. They will automatically generate nice. a transcript. I use yeah. it all the time because Excellent. like who wants to watch a whole video? Like yeah. I I yeah. often search for stuff that I presented to mm -hmm. try to remember like what I'm doing at work, you know, yeah. like every day. Yeah. And I don't want to watch myself. I don't want to hear my voice. Right. So I search, right. I search the yeah. transcript instead. So, yeah. There you yeah. Go. That's a great idea. That's mm -hmm. a great idea. And, and I'm a skimmer. I hate video me content. Too. Yeah. <clears throat> oh my gosh. No Give me worries. a transcript. I don't like it. And I produce I, it. I know. I know. Like, I don't even care if it's poorly done, automated closed captioning. I would rather skim through and guess every fifth word mm -hmm. than like have to, you know, sit through a lot of video. So um, I don't know, my coworkers kind of laugh at me sometimes because, you know, everything has to be video and I'm like, some of us hate it. So I'm always that, that little devil's advocate for folks like us. <laughs> that's absolutely true. And, and that's why like multiple mediums exist. Right. You exactly. have people who enjoy textbooks. I am, mm -hmm. I am one of those people or, Same. you know, an, an entire video walkthrough showing how it should work and why, and mm -hmm. you know, encountering errors and explaining those and, um, or stack overflow. You just search for your error message. And there yeah. You go. Yeah. <laughs> now my husband is the opposite. I mean, his idea of a fun Saturday morning is sitting next to each other with coffee, watching like six hours about some obscure 
like hill in Gettysburg. And he loves nothing more than like he's into camping and he'll watch hours and hours of videos on the best lithium battery for charging, you know, using your solar panel. And I would rather eat glass on fire. So (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, I watch a lot of tech stuff. I also watch a lot of crap, you know, because I have to well, empty my brain at some point. Yeah. Right. And and the kind of the opposite of that is I'm a voracious podcast person, mm-hmm. but that's because I can do other things at the same time. Exactly. You know? yep. So you can have my attention like in one way. I'll I'll either read and you can have my eyeballs or I can listen and do other things, but you can't have both at the same time. I'm sorry. Or I can sit and scroll social media for an entire exactly. hour. While I listen to an episode. <laughs> exactly. No, like I I don't do that. Oh my goodness. No, Not never, every never. <laughs> as, as soon as I get Wordle and three or four guesses, then I see what's on TikTok this morning. So. I have not played that because I am too busy learning Spanish and Japanese oh, and like over a bunch a of other you know? yeah. so the beautiful thing about Wordle is you can only play it once a day so you get one shot well, yeah and then you're done for the day you know you can't you really can't binge it it's like mm-hmm. the HBO of um you know syndicating tv shows just one little treat a week so totally yeah that's the nice yeah. thing about it I hear it's fun, but I'm, you know, if something is like super popular, Mm -hmm. I usually go the other way. I'm like, I'm a cool person. I'm just not (laughs) into that. That's how how I've always been. Yeah. Like I I didn't even see Hamilton until it came on Disney plus. I I, didn't either. I had never listened to it, you you know, and now I'm like, (laughs) yeah, same, same. Oh, I get it. I get it. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, yeah. So having uh, smart clients, I think, or making them feel smart, it's very important. I think we touched on a lot of like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. which I've talked about a whole lot on this yeah. show because it's yeah. more important now than ever. Mm-hmm. What do you think that people should understand about clients? Uh, you know, most of the time, you know, and I hate to keep doing this like strategy versus development thing. That's how it is. Most of them are marketers, you know, they're people like me who got a dang English degree and now they're working at a company and we need a new website. And it's maybe the first time they've ever done this before. It's big and scary and overwhelming. Their boss has entrusted them with a great big pile of money to do something big with. They have a lot on the line. And when clients entrust that with us, man, I am not going to blow it. And I understand that as we're building this website, as we're doing this project, like they still have their jobs to do as well, you know? So we can't take up all their time. So as much as we can like silver platter information to them, make it easy on them, make the most of their time, be very respectful of their time, resources, bandwidth, um, it, 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 it makes for a better relationship. It makes for a better project. Um, and yeah, there's nothing more fun than the night of a site launch when you're up all night and you've got folks across the country and you're like switching servers and someone on the East Coast goes, oh, it's up, it's up. And like one by one, you can see the new site come yeah. up and everybody's, you know, you kind of white knuckle it because anything can go wrong. But um, like that night, is what I do my job for. I love it so much. And to get the phone call in the morning from your client when they're like, oh my gosh, it looks great. Everything's working. We're doing UAT. We're not, you know, just running across little things or typos or something. But, um, you know, when you work on a project for nine months, 12 months, and, you know, you, you birthed your beautiful baby into the world um, and you did it with a client, that is such a fun, fun moment. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. I love projects where the site is useful to me as a user. Mm -hmm. Like years ago, was so, so long ago, I worked on um, uh, (laughs) Orlando Health Mm -hmm. and 
I go to their site all the time to, to yeah. look to yeah. book appointments with my doctors. Like I, I literally implemented that. I literally yeah. like connected it to the system and like I use it as a user yeah. like, all the time. And I always smile and I'm so proud that I birthed this thing into the world. I know. You know. And and it's so fun being able to like have such a visible public example to show people what you do for a living. Um I was at they still our don't little, understand. No, I know, I know. But I was at our little tiny hometown bar a couple of years ago with my mom, and she graduated with our county sheriff. And he came over and was sitting next to us, and we were drinking our beers. And he asked me what I do for a living, and I tried to explain. And um, at the time, Bobcat was my client, and I said, "Well, you know, you know, Bobcat like excavators and stuff. Like I work on their website. Oh, that's what you do." And he went on a tear about how much he loved Bobcat excavators and skid steers and front end loaders. And, and like the fact that like, that was a connection, like this is the company and this is the thing I do made it really easy to understand and to have him like be so excited about like a client that I worked with made me really, really proud. So um, it's really fun to like see your work out in the wild, you know? Really? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've, I've worked on so many sites in my career. Like uh, I can't even, you know, a yeah, lot of them yeah. aren't, aren't even there anymore. Probably right. I, I started with static HTML, like <laughs> <I'm old. laughs> yeah, static HTML, fine, no fine vintage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vintage. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it's, it's just an amazing feeling to like show people mm-hmm. like, this is what, I did with the team, you know, and it, it takes a lot of work and coordination and communication Mm -hmm. to do something like that. Yeah. um, I've often said that without like project managers and like strategists, can you Mm -hmm. imagine the shit that would be? (laughs) It would be super fancy. It would be the the fanciest stuff but maybe not the most useful. Like Um, over-engineered crap. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of what I do is user research and user testing or usability testing. It's the thing that I love more than anything is just chatting with people about their lives and do you use this product? Do you not use this product? What do you love? What do you hate? What bugs you? Like, you know, and kind of being like the neutral person, they can spill their guts to like, oh, well, I like using this, but then you get to this one part and they make you do this and oh, it's such a pain. And then I just, you know, I leave and buy it on Amazon, something like that. And so to be able to like fix those snags for people and just make it exceptionally easy to do business with my clients is so important. And I think that making your clients feel smart also applies to making their customers feel smart, you know? Um, I work a lot with manufacturing and if you are using a, a product or a vehicle or something for the first time, like, I don't want to have to go into a dealership and ask, I hate to use the term dumb questions, but like simple questions, like let them learn that on your website in a way that they want. This is where we need multiple types of media. If they're video people, if they are infographic people, if they're readers, um, give them a podcast if they want a podcast, but you have to ask those questions. How do you want to consume this? And then what kind of um, documentation do you want afterwards? Do you want a PDF? Do you want us to send a little thing to your phone? Do you want us to just shoot it over to the dealer so they, you know, set you up an appointment? Like, what do you want us to help you do next? Um, so make them feel smart too, you know, lay out a navigation that makes it super simple and super obvious where to find stuff. Invest time and money in a good search experience. That is critical. Um, Don't half-ass your chatbots. You know, if you're going to do it, do it right. If you're not going to invest in kind of going all in on chat, then just put those resources into search instead and make that better. Um, But I've also found that the best research I've done is when I get to the people in a company that are closest to the people using the product. Mm -hmm. CEOs and CMOs, they think they know their users. They do not. Talk to customer service. Talk to people taking the phone calls. Talk to the people going for test drives with customers or, um, you know, helping them figure out how to use their new blender. That's where you're going to really figure out the problems that need to be solved. They're not always great big you know, naval 
gazing, you know, uh, problems, sometimes they're just like, I don't know how to turn this off. And it's nowhere on the website. And it drives me crazy. And, you know, customer service going, we get six phone calls an hour from people who don't know how to turn off their blender, you know, dumb stuff like that. So like, get as close to the people using your product or service as you possibly can, and start your research there. And they will they'll give you the best information every time. Yes, absolutely. That is very important. And I also tell people with Sitecore, you know, you're making a custom system for people Mm -hmm. to, you know, manage content and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You also need to design that system for those users, Mm -hmm. for that side of it. Not only the end, you know, site, but also... Mm -hmm the system for the people to make the site, you know, (coughs) and every, every job I've ever had where I requested like a meeting with the people that were going to use the Mm -hmm. Sitecore implementation, people were just like, you want to do what? Why? And I'm like (coughs) to ask them what they want. Why would you not do that? (laughs) You know, and unfortunately, and we've both seen this over and over. Sorry, I have a bad cough. That's okay. When you're looking at a great big budget and great big timeline, unfortunately, the first things to go are usually user research and usability testing. We know what they want. We know what they think. We know what they need. We know how they use everything. Um, Every single time I have done user research, the client has been surprised about something. There's something that they didn't know or had made assumptions about. And it doesn't always make a huge change in the trajectory of the project it can be as simple as what you call something where you put a piece of information um the type of download that sort of thing like it can be a very small thing that can turn a customer off your company so to make sure like we get as much of that right as possible you're investing a lot in a website in money resources people time um, so make sure you get it all right. That seems like the most fundamental thing to me is, is ask. I, I always approach projects like a science experiment because I'm still a seventh grade science nerd at heart, you know. So you do a little research, you form your hypothesis, you test your hypothesis, you know, you um, see if it did the thing you thought it was going to do, you make tweaks, you, you know, end up with a theory. And I, I approach website projects like that, you know? So ask a lot of questions, build a prototype, do some wireframes, do some designs, that sort of thing, um, and then test it. Did it do the thing you needed it to do? If not, change it before you build it because it's a lot more expensive in three years to to look at your data and say, why didn't this thing perform the way we thought it would? Well, because you put the CTA button in the wrong place. You know, sometimes it's something really dumb, but you can you can head that off by just covering all those bases at the beginning of a project. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, after it's implemented, also through training, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can also ask questions and make improvements. Like everything right. can always be improved. I've seen so mm-hmm. many architects and devs be like sort of personally against making a change just because they implemented something, but it doesn't matter. It, it wasn't right. wrong. It, it was right. just, you know, what you had at and, the time. Well, and, and we're not building it for us and we're not right. building it for a client. We're building it for their customers. Um, you know, and the thought to kind of carry this science project metaphor a little bit further, um, measure your analytics, like keep an eye on your data, keep an eye on your SEO, Keep an eye on your, whether it's Sitecore Analytics or whatever platform you're on, your Google Analytics, make sure stuff doesn't go off the rails. And keep keep your North Star, like what you thought people were going to do on certain sections of the site. And if they're not doing that, you got to figure out why. You'll make a better educated decision and make more successful tweaks if you got a little bit of the rationale up front, you know? Um, it's also a good time to do some AB and multivariant testing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not sure. Should the hero spot be like this or like that? Test it, test it, test all day long. You know, that's why Um, the tools exist. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I, I also kind of caution clients, like 
testing is a little, um, it's a little labor intensive. So don't do it just because you can do it. Mm-hmm. But if there's something on your website that just isn't clicking, it's not producing the leads, it's people aren't filling out this form, um, you got to figure out why and just try a couple things. Um, I had a client a few years ago who um, ha- had a download brochure form. And it was like, one of the easiest, like, I shouldn't say easiest, but like, highest part of the funnel activities to do. And they were asking for so much information. The form was like a page long, just to get a brochure that you could just download, just give them the brochure, like, yeah. who cares? And they had only like a 15% completion rate. Of course. On this form. <laughs> you want people to have the brochure, just give them the brochure, who cares about the lead? You want the sale, not the lead. So if they're ditching your site because you're asking for a page worth of information, tweak it, tweak it, test it, and go with the one that works. So absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. So make sure your data program. It doesn't have to be super sophisticated. Have one or two people keeping an eye on. Um, you know, choose a handful of things you're going to measure. Eight or ten KPIs, eight or ten really important pages, things like that. Just keep an eye on how they're doing. It doesn't have to be this big, overwhelming thing. You don't need a huge team of um, data analysts, but you also can't ignore it because, you know, in a couple months, things can really go off the rails and um, it can be hard to get that traffic and that engagement back if you let it go too long. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's um, it's not an easy task, I would say, but it is mm-hmm. important. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about when you're working on, on teams, you know, mm-hmm. um, we, as women, we get, you know, mansplained a lot too, but mm-hmm. other women also do it. Um, and I, I feel like that is a product of, you know, a lot of internalized misogyny and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on, yeah, how to oh that's hard isn't it? it i always i always think that i'm a a big talking feminist until someone's talking to me that way and then i turn into a very like non-confrontational midwest lady who's like oh fine they must be having a bad day you know and what do you do and it's it's hard when it's a male colleague talking down to you it's hard when it's a female colleague talking down to you it's impossible when it's a client talking down yes to you. yes because it's real hard to stand up for yourself, you know? Um, so <laughs> I may be letting my politics show a little bit, but I have been successful in channeling Jen Psaki, the, uh, the uh, oh, yeah. press, uh, press director for the White House right now, because she has a very nice way. And I, I literally, if I'm going into some sort of meeting that I'm going to need my game face on, like I'll actually watch clips of her because she has this very nice way of saying, ah, Shelly. I know we both want to be very accurate. So let's go back to the email of da, 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 da. Let's pause for just a moment because I want us all to have the right information. We need to be aligned on this, you know? And so if I have to, I will just like become her in the moment. And it kind of helps me not take it as personally too, you know? And I'll just say, you know what? Let's stop for just a moment. You know, it's, it seems like you're being a little bit, you know, you need to understand that this is my area of expertise. I built five websites using xxx you know and if i have to pause a conversation to reiterate my experience and expertise i'll be uncomfortable sometimes you know i maybe have to do that um i also think it's up to us to watch out for others mm-hmm. you know it's I, i'm much better at sticking up for other people you know me too um, yeah yeah and saying you know what shelly and knows that you know Let's, let's keep going or something like that. It's, it's so hard. And I, I don't have any magic trick and I wish I had more guts than I do in the moment, because like I said, I'm, I can be a very big talker. Um, but I think it's up to us and our um, male and non-binary allies to be super duper aware. Um, I worked with a fantastic developer, um, Zach, a year ago, and we were kind of talking about mansplaining in general. And he messaged me privately and he said, have I ever done that to you? Have I ever talked that way? And I said, nope, I don't think you ever have. But the people who would ask that are probably not the people who would do it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So um, 
you know, I think the biggest thing that we can do is um, amplify the voices of people who are being talked over. You know, if you need to stop someone who's interrupting and say, you know what, Shelly had a good point. Can you, can you repeat that for me again? Um, uh, I think it's kind of a take a village kind of thing to, yeah. to help each other in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had so many instances where somebody was saying something they shouldn't be saying to me. And there yeah. were so many people around who you could tell were like uncomfortable, but nobody right. spoke up. Right. One of the times I think about this all the time, I was just talking to my husband, this happened years ago. I was at a client site with two coworkers uh-huh. teaching, right? And so I told them, you know, I, I have these courses on, mm-hmm. on Pluralsight that are, you know, out soon. It was, mm-hmm. you know, pre that my coworker was like, why Pluralsight? Why not put them on YouTube for free? And I, I literally did this for anyone that's not watching. <laughs> I'm starting with my chin up. And I'll end with my chin down. And I said to him, YouTube is not a learning platform. (laughs) So my chin just went down, Mm -hmm. my eyes went up and I meant business. The client backed me up. The other coworker I was there with did not back me up. The client went so far as to like, while the guy was talking and being a complete asshole, he was looking at me like, what's with this guy? Like he gave me this look. And then afterwards he he was just like, I'm really excited for everything that you're doing. I think you're great. I'm learning a lot. I, Uh I can't wait to see what you do. And I was just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that is what you're supposed to do. And and I, I always try to assume positive intent and very often I give people the benefit of the doubt, but I try not to give them the benefit of doing it twice. You know, um, maybe they weren't trying to be a jerk. Maybe they just aren't self-aware, not listening to themselves. But, um, but yeah, we're, we're only going to have this kind of conversation once. Absolutely. Or we're going to have a conversation about the conversation. Yeah. yeah. I, I had many run-ins with that guy. So yes, he was mm-hmm. being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I wouldn't be so nice about it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to something nicer. (laughs) Yeah. So like in, in that case, you know, it's, it's important to support your coworkers and make Mm -hmm. them feel smart as well. Um, And I've just worked at a lot of places and I, I did a whole series of talks on this with you about Mm -hmm. it is not strategy versus dev. At so right. many places I've worked, it is like that. Yeah, and it is perpetrated by leadership. Leadership mm-hmm. actually calls them them and mm-hmm. makes fun of them in oh. dev meetings. And everybody laughs like, huh, silly project management, silly strategy. Like I've been in some <laughs> conversations that would make you flip out. <laughs> You know, and I try to be deferential and respectful to everyone's area of expertise. Totally. If I were a project manager, I'd be unemployed by noon because I cannot herd cats the way they can. I, I'm not organized or detail oriented enough. I I bow at the altar of good project managers, also developers. I am in awe of their technical knowledge, and it's always new. And you know, like I, I respect that so much. And I guess. Um, as far as like discipline to discipline, I've never felt um, I've never felt disrespected by a developer because I'm not a developer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when I started getting started on site core projects, you know, it was often developers I was asking quote unquote dumb questions of because they were the only other people who did site core at the company mm-hmm. I was at, you know. So like I had to ask them, and so I, I really I have learned from them how to be a better teammate to other folks starting out, you know, acknowledge the learning curve, tell them that, you know what, this took me a long time to get the knack of, to understand. Um, I try to drop everything. If someone, you know, still learning has a question about something, if I don't know, I 
admit I don't know, and I'll either find them documentation or someone within the company um, that can answer the question. I'm at the luxury of being at a pretty big company with very experienced people right now. So there's usually someone who's already figured this out. Um, but we're all constantly learning, even those of us who have been doing this 10 or 15 years, because the platform never stops evolving. Um, marketing trends never stop evolving. So if you if you've gotten to a point where you think you know it all, you need to be done. You need to be done. Because if there's nothing yeah. more for you to learn and you really think that, then um, I don't think you're very useful to your organization or your clients, to be perfectly honest. So Yeah, absolutely. In in tech, I think everybody needs to understand that it is constantly changing. I remember mm-hmm. in college in like 1999, um, I, I had a teacher that, you know, stressed to all of us that we are going to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. That's just the job. And a lot of people quit the comp sci program after that. And I was just like, <laughs> yay, I love school. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. My exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I mean, life would be boring if there was nothing new on the horizon, if there was nothing to be curious about, if there was nothing new to tackle and get good at, you know, that's the fun of life and the fun of our industry, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also love how we work in a global community. Like Mm -hmm. I've been exposed to so many cultures and I've traveled the world now. Like I've been to China, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. I can't believe I flew there by myself. What was I thinking? Yeah. um, Yeah, like I've had a lot of really cool experiences being Mm -hmm. influenced by cultures and people Mm -hmm. who are vastly different from me. And I really realized that I grew up in Whiteville and I really knew nothing about the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, no. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Go. I was just going to say the other really interesting thing about our industry is, um, you know, we're not doctors. We don't need an MD. We don't need to pass the bar. You just need to figure it out and get good at it. So all things considered, there's a pretty low barrier to entry. Um, Some college is great. A lot of this can be self-taught. I have either taught myself or learned from the person sitting next to me everything that I've gotten good at. So as fingers crossed, we're kind of uh, slowly closing the chapter on this global pandemic. There are millions of people who had to drop out of the workforce in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Statistically, almost all of them are women. Yeah. So now we have a generation of women who maybe abandoned a career. Maybe they loved it. Maybe they didn't because of caring for people in their family, childcare, uh, teaching their kids at school. Eventually, and I have a feeling it's going to be in the next six months, we're going to have a resurgence of women looking at their life, their careers, their income and thinking, what do I do now? And I want marketing and technology to like roll out the welcome mat for these women, like give them the red carpet and a glass of champagne and tell them we will teach you what you need to know. If you're curious and driven and willing to work and do your homework and you have some people skills, like anyone can get good at this. So let's as women as anyone in technology, let's start reaching out to some of those women who are trying to figure out their next chapter and throw a handout to them and say, do you want to learn a little bit more about this? I can send you some links. I have a great career. Most of us can work from home. We can work anywhere in the world. Um, We make a darn good living. Mm -hmm. We have fun. We make friends. I find it very fulfilling. Um, I want us to be kind of the sector that goes out and finds these women and give them give them a career give them a career they're willing to study for and work for and and welcome them because we need more smart people in our industry there's too much work to be done and too few people to be perfectly honest so um i think we are in a position of luxury to be mm-hmm. able to do that and i think it i think it's our responsibility as women to keep an ear out for our friends and, you know, other moms at the, you know, school thing talking about, oh, you know, bills and I got to find a job, you know, say, hey, do you know anything about Sitecore? Do you know anything about technology? Do you know anything about marketing? Do you want to hear about my job? Should we go have coffee? And just let them know that a really great career can be had um, 
with some hard work and dedication, but you know, it's out there. It's out there and there's work and great careers to be had. I love that. On that note, we do (laughs) need to wrap up. And I think that's a great way to end the episode with a super inspirational message. I love to help women, Mm -hmm. you know, find their way in tech. And I especially love to help women who are coming from a completely different industry and are are just like, I'm not making any money doing this. Right. I, I want to make right. money. And I'm like, Here's right. How. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? We need those perspectives. We can't mm-hmm. all be in like this, like technology bubble. We need people who have raised children, who have taught yes. grade school, who have, you know, worked at Macy's. We need collective life experiences for us to do better work um, collectively. So Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's, let's throw open the doors and roll out the red carpet and get those women into the industry in the next year or two. I love it. Well, um, to wrap up, why don't you tell us where people can connect with yeah. you? And if you have any, um, upcoming presentations or I feel like I'm on David Letterman and I have like a, a movie to promote I'm, I'm showing my age with David Letterman. Um, so my handle on um, Twitter is MJ knows Sitecore. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to also be releasing some TikToks. God help me. Um, my daughter's helping me. Um, but I'm going to be taking Sitecore concepts and terms and just breaking them down one by one, talking about them, explaining them in civilian terms um, for marketing people like myself, what things are and what they mean and how they all work together. So in the next couple of weeks, um, you should be able to find me on TikTok as well. Um, and I want to wish you a happy International Women's Day. We happen to be recording on International Women's Day. Yep. So there's nothing I'd rather be doing. And um, I didn't wear it, but I came armed with one of my favorite tiaras. I, have I love it. Yes, absolutely. Shelley, happy International Women's Day to <laughs> <yeah>. you too. <laughs> thank you for having me on. And Shelly, thank you sincerely for all you do to make um, make this accessible to women and for lifting up the voices of other women and being so supportive and being such a, a roaring advocate for women in our industry because it um it makes it more fun to be part of it so thank you i think you're for the first person on the show to make me cry oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my job here is done oh my goodness yes well thank you so much again i i appreciate your time I'm going to get through this outro outro before I start crying. (laughs) If you want to support us, please like subscribe and share this episode, share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments, what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and tech on social media. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.